I honestly believe that God is going to heal people before we leave today, set people free, continue setting people free, and saving people today as well. Um, I, if you're new here, hopefully it's obvious that we're a church that believes that miracles and prophecy and healings didn't conclude in the New Testament, didn't end in the New Testament, but they carry on today. And we've already been and are in the presence of God, and God has been moving, and God has been already setting. Morning and talking, the more I've found in myself faith rising up that God is going to do life changing events in people's lives this morning. And um, one of the first things I'm going to briefly look at in a minute in Acts, or from Acts chapter 3, is the eyewitness testimony in the New Testament. And one thing I truly believe that's going to happen today and in the coming days and weeks is that while the eyewitness testimony in the Bible can easily be verified, and we'll do a bit of that in the next five minutes, um, I honestly believe that people are going to have their own eyewitness testimonies of, well, I've seen that God is real because I've seen it. Here's my eyewitness testimony. This is what happened to me. This is what I've seen. And I've seen miracles in my time as a Christian. Healings, miracles, not as many as I would like to. And I've started finding myself feeling, I want to see God move more. I want to see it more. I, I want to be an eyewitness of it happening more. And I believe, honestly, that God is leading us into that time now. I was thinking when um, the youth and the non-youth were standing on the stage a little bit earlier. There's a verse in 2 Chronicles, chapter 16, which says, we'll get into Acts in a minute, but 2 Chronicles 16 says, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. And this morning, looking at, at the 11s to 14s and Anna and Yvonne as well, and us in the room with our hands raised when Ollie said, Who wants to be bolder? as we move on from here, that the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth looking for people that he can show himself strong in that are wholly devoted to him. So as we raised our hands and said, God, I want to be more bold, God is saying, well, that's good because my eyes are roaming the earth looking for people like you so I can show myself strong through you, which is amazing, amazing. So, into Acts chapter 3, where we see a healing, and we see the gospel preached. Uh, this is the ESV version that I'm reading from. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, 
walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed to you, for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. That is the word of God. And what we're going to do towards the end in a few minutes' time is spend a proper time praying for people to be healed, praying for people to be set free, praying for people to meet with God, praying for God to meet people where they're at, praying for salvation, offering a chance where it says, the second half of this chapter, after a, a miraculous healing, is Peter then goes, so now you've seen it, repent and turn towards God. That's, that's the thing. And we're going to allow good time to pray and let God do what he wants to do in us this morning. Now, there's one verse that... Um, stuck out to me, well it's a lot of verses that stuck out to me there, but there's one verse that sort of caught my attention um, in ways that my attention tends to get captured that Ollie's doesn't, for example. <laughs> there's a verse here that says, to this we are witnesses. It's true though. Yeah, I like things that say unicorns and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But this verse here, to this we are witnesses. And the, the words before that, you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, to this we're witnesses. So Peter's saying, we've seen him be raised from the dead. We know, we know he's the Messiah. We know he died and we know he's been raised to life. Why? Well, we saw it. It happened because we saw it. And it struck me when I read that, when I was preparing this, that we often don't talk much about the eyewitness testimony in the Bible because we haven't actually been eyewitnesses of these events. But 
factually, there are people that were. They just were. And just a couple of things, and I hope this builds our faith so that we can expect God to move in our lives now, right now. And a couple of things which kind of did build my faith um, reading through them. Eyewitness accounts in a court of law are crucial. I've been watching um, just little bits of the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial recently, where they're suing and countersuing each other, defamation trial. And whoever wins over the next few days, it's entirely based on hearsay, because no one's really been able to produce any eyewitnesses. So it's kind of, Mr. Depp, on the 10th of November, isn't it true you did this? Objection, Your Honor, hearsay. Nobody saw that. How do you know it's true? Ms. Heard, on the 25th of August, you did this. Objection, hearsay. Nobody saw it. Can anyone be produced that saw it? No. And we've all seen trials, which are open and shut cases of eyewitness, 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 eyewitness. They all agree that's what happened. And the facts have been recreated based on, well, people saw it, and their account lines up with what happened. Here's the facts. So every time we see in the Bible, and in the New Testament particularly, to this we are witnesses, it's because there's people that saw it. And if they saw it happen, then it happened, and it still happens today because it's true. Okay? Now let me just give you a couple of, um, I hope, faith-building examples. So Simon Greenleaf, who's a Harvard, Harvard Law professor, he wrote the standard study on what constitutes legal advice. So very, you know, very brainy person that knows a lot about law. Okay? And he wasn't a Christian before he read the four Gospels. And by the time he'd read through the Gospels, he'd become a Christian. And his comment at the end of reading the four Gospels was that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would have been received in evidence in any court of justice without the slightest hesitation. Because the major details in the four Gospels, legally speaking, are true. They happened. And if you put them in a New York court, the judge is going to go, that's eyewitness testimony. The minor details of whether Jesus arrived at Bethany six days or two days before Passover, fine, we can figure that stuff out or not. But the major details, well, this stuff's true. There's people that saw it. Verifiably, God is saving people these days, even to this day, by reading the accounts and then saying, it's just true. It's just true. And just one more example to build our faith. And obviously, you know, obviously, we believe by faith and we're the people from 1 Peter who haven't seen him but have loved him. So I'm not trying to dismiss at all faith from the equation, not at all, but just taking eyewitness accounts into consideration, they're just facts that happened and still happen today. So here's some ancient documents and the reliability of them we can figure out. So between these documents being written and the first surviving copies to when we started to, mankind started to see them and understand them. So between Plato's writing, Greek philosopher Plato, and the first surviving copies of Plato's writings, 1200 years. There's quite a long time between when it was written and the first surviving copy of it, was it true? 1200 years is a long while. Tacitus, Roman historian, 1000 years between when it was written, first copy. Homer, Homer's Odyssey, the Greek author, 500 years. The New Testament, 25 years. So actually, it's far more 
plausible that every word of the New Testament is true, even if you dismiss, I need to be careful saying this, even if you dismiss the idea of God having inspired and overseen the writing of it through men, even if you dismiss that, factually speaking, we're 25 years between it being written and the first copy of the original is pretty factual. Which actually, this is an, a little aside. There was um, in the Quran, in the Quran, Jesus wasn't crucified. He was taken immediately up to heaven to be with Allah. But the Quran was written 600 years after Jesus' lifetime on earth, and there's no eyewitnesses of it. So actually, when you stack up his New Testament writing that you can verifiably say people saw this stuff happen, you put the Quran next to it, and the Quran collapses like a house of cards straight away. But it's not what I'm talking about today, but just as a little aside. So hopefully, I'm honestly hoping, and for people that don't know God yet, for people that wouldn't count themselves as Christians, and I know that people these days are saying, well, I just need proof that it's true. There is proof that it's true. Even if you don't see miraculous healings, there's proof. And if it's true, well, then there's also miraculous healings. Because in the book of Acts, there's dozens of verified factual historical accounts and 35 miracles. And if the factual accounts are true historically and archaeologically, well, so are the healings, so are the miracles, so are all the things that God did in it. So, let's get into the meat of this chapter and, and we'll pray and we'll expect God to move. So this healing that happens, interestingly, if you go back to those slides, Caleb, please, from the first chapters, thanks. The man who is healed wasn't asking to be healed. He was asking for money. Healing wasn't in his own mind or on his radar at all, but it was in Peter's and John's mind. So actually, and this isn't a theological talk, and I'm going to blast through some of this stuff, but actually, is healing... <laughs> I probably shouldn't even ask this question. I'm going to ask him. It's not a theological talk, basically. So my aim isn't to go down any avenues of discussing healing and faith and so on. But quite clearly, we see here that there wasn't faith on the part of the man that was healed. There was faith on the part of Peter and John. And that it was them that saw... Where's God moving here on this man who had no idea he was about to be healed? There's other accounts in the Bible where we do see Jesus say to people, because of your faith, you've been healed. So, you know, it's all true, basically. Um, and God is far wiser than we are. And actually, in Luke, uh, in Luke chapter 5, when uh, Jesus heals a paralytic, he actually says your faith has saved you before he heals him. To which the Pharisees obviously reply, well, that's blasphemy. Unless you're God, you can't say anyone's saved. So Jesus says, okay, which is easiest then? I can tell him he's saved or I can show him that he can be healed. And Jesus says, be healed. And hand in hand with the miraculous, it's pointing to God. It's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing towards 
everything he does being true. And that actually the main point of Luke chapter 5 or Acts chapter 3 is the gospel being preached. That's the main point. And that actually the miraculous points towards, well, it's true that Jesus can save you. Can I have eyewitness testimony for that? Yep, you can. Be healed. And now you can see if God can heal you physically in front of everybody, he can save you. And he has authority to save you. So it's, it's hand in hand with the gospel being preached. And actually when we go out from here and we do stand up for boldness and when 11-year-olds and 12-year-olds are standing here saying, I've just spoken in tongues for the first time, it's a, it's a sign that, well, God is real. God is real. And if God can perform miraculous things in you, well, then he can save people. And that's, that's the gospel. And it would be remiss of me, I guess, to say, you know, there's nothing in this text about people not being healed. So it would be the easiest thing, easier thing to say, God heals, which he does. And I fully, I know he does. But also, does God always, always heal us? And here's where we do get into a kind of theological battlefield in a way. Does God always heal us in this lifetime? No. Not always. Ollie started the meeting last Sunday by, by letting everyone know that Rosie Gibbons had, had passed on. Two weeks ago, Rosie hadn't been healed of every disease and every sickness, and today she has. And today she is in the presence of God, and today she is in a better place. It would have been, obviously, it would have been wonderful if God had chosen to physically heal Rosie. Obviously, that would have been wonderful. But he didn't. And now she's with God, and she is absolutely fine. And because of her testimony about her saviour, her hairdresser is on Alpha now because of Rosie preaching the gospel. And you might have noticed when Ollie spoke last week, he didn't, he didn't use the phrase, we've lost Rosie, or Rosie has died. What phrase did you use? You can, because you always use it. Promoted to glory, gone to be with the Lord. When Christians die, as we all will, no one loses us. We're not lost at all. We are chosen to go home and be with God. So yes, I absolutely believe and have seen and I'm in faith for God physically healing people as signs that he is God and because he's compassionate and because he loves us. And if he chooses not to, well, then there's reasons for that as well. And um, I've been, some of you know, I've had a chronic illness since I was 19, which is kind of getting worse and more things get added to it, the older I get and so on. Um, and what is God's will for my life for someone who's battled with chronic illness for three decades? Well, he wants me to be set apart for him. And he wants me to become more like Jesus. And he wants me to trust him. And as challenging as the opening chapters of Job are to read, 
Satan goes to God with a pretty fair question of, well, of course Job trusts you. He's got no reason not to. How about we give him some things not to trust? Well, that's when our faith in God is tested and proven and we're refined and we learn to trust God and there's ups and downs along the way. I think in my three decades of uh, battling, it hasn't been the physical illness which has been the battle, the battle has been here in my mind basically of, oh no, it's another healing meeting. Oh no, it's another time for me maybe not to be healed. And I think through three decades of it, um, if God chooses to heal me today, that'd be amazing. And praise God if he does. And if God gives someone here faith in terms of, you know, like with Peter and John, actually, I can see God moving. I'll go and pray for Martin because I can see God moving or anyone else who stands, then praise God. And if God chooses that actually I need to carry on not being healed yet, well, if that helps me be set apart for him and if it helps me learn to trust him and if it puts me in the same place that it put the Apostle Paul in when he prayed three times for God to heal him and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. If God decides today that his grace is sufficient for me, praise God for that as well because God's grace is sufficient for me today. And if he chooses to heal me, praise God for that because he's chosen to heal me today. And please don't miss hear what I'm saying about faith because I'm not I'm not saying I'm not in faith to be healed I'm saying God's God and actually my holiness ultimately is more important than whether I'm healthy today my relationship with God is more important and actually God in his amazing mercy and amazing sovereignty is so far above everything else he can even use sickness and death for his own purposes and plans and his own glory. Paul says in the fourth chapter of Galatians that it was because of a bodily ailment that he was able to preach the gospel in Galatia. It's like, actually, the fact that I'm ill has brought me here. We don't know the exact details of that, but it's written in Galatians 4. You know it was because of a a bodily ailment that I first preached the gospel to you. God uses our sicknesses sometimes to enable us to preach the gospel. Praise God that he does that. And if he chooses to heal us, praise him for that as well. So we're going to spend a good amount of time now, actually. And a lot of people, a number of people, have been emailing things in. Terry Belsey passed me a note this morning. Um, of things that God wants to do. And he already alluded to something that Andrew O'Kane sent sent last night about people being set free from their own unforgiveness. And if if you still need to deal with how God needs to, you know, remove something from you so that you can walk free in your own forgiveness of other people, then today's a day to do that. And if you have been wrestling, battling with, with physical illness and sickness, um, can I just, I guess, appeal to you that, and you know, don't mishear me, I, I am someone who has spent a lot of time struggling in 
meetings about healing and being prayed for and what happened, you know, over the decades. Can I just, if possible, appeal to you, allow yourself to be prayed for if you can today, because actually it may be like the man in Acts chapter 3, the lame man, it may not be your own faith that heals you. It might be purely that you say, okay, I'll get prayed for. And that's good. And that's fine. And someone else might see you in a minute and go, you know what? I think the Holy Spirit's talking to me about that person. I'm going to go and pray for them because that's God moving amongst us. And that's the Spirit of God speaking to us. And that's the New Testament church in action. And it might be that all you can do in terms of an act of faith is stand to your feet and say, okay, I'll allow myself to get prayed for. Brilliant. Praise God for that. Or maybe that you can't stand and you need to just kind of attract someone's attention. Praise God if that's the case. And then the Holy Spirit will be talking to people. God will be, his eyes will be roaming through the building saying to people, go and pray for that person there because I want to meet with them. I want to heal them. So, Rich and Mandy and the band, do you, want, do you guys want to come back? But Andy and Clive and Ollie and Ben, we'll figure this out as we go. Um, just as the band start to play, let me just, actually, let me read some of these things that Terry gave me this morning. And, um, Terry, where are you? She was here. Uh, ah, there you are. Terry, just, could you stand up for a second? If possible. <laughs> if you can. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people know Terry. A lot of us will know Terry. As I read out some of these things that God put on Terry's heart for people to, to come to God with today, the Holy Spirit's put these things on Terry's heart today. And if this is you that God is speaking to, even if you don't have faith for them, there's someone standing there that God is speaking to. So allow Terry to pray for you, if, if you can. And Terry, if you need other people to pray as well, then obviously we'll figure it all out. So thanks, Terry. Let me just read some of these things that Terry gave to me this morning. Some things that she believes that the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to deal with these things today. Intestines, so stomach problems, Migraines that takes you out of work and out of family life and is debilitating where you get a migraine and it takes you out of life until it goes. Blackouts. If anyone here is suffering from blackouts, Holy Spirit has mentioned to Terry this morning that he wants to heal, heal people. Back pain on the base of the spine. And there's one here that Terry's put in, in quotes, don't do it going to a point of no return, having suicidal thoughts, and that if you're thinking to yourself, it would just be easier if I wasn't here. Well, God is saying to you, my eyes are roaming through the earth today. I've seen Terry. She's got faith for you to be healed this morning. And if you're someone who's having suicidal thoughts and saying it's just easier if I wasn't here, God wants to set you free from that today. Ian Goldsmith sent a, 
message to Ollie that Ollie forwarded to me where Ian had been reading um, Exodus and saying that he'd noticed that actually suddenly in Exodus um, God talks individually about healing people. So not just collectively heal his people, but actually if this is you with any of these issues today, actually from way back in Exodus, God was saying, no, I'm going to heal you, you, one person of this. Jesus often singled out one person. He often healed multitudes and he often healed everybody and he often healed someone. And if Jesus comes to one person today and heals them, praise, praise him for that. And there may well over the next few minutes be more people and more God speaking to people saying, I want to send you over to somewhere. I want to call out something or mention something that people need to be released from. And as we, I don't know how we're going to do this exactly, but we'll figure it out. Um, honestly, I believe God's going to move powerfully and heal people and save people. And actually, if you're someone here today who doesn't know Jesus, factually, you can historically show the Bible's true, but actually, more than factually, you're here because God wants to save you. And actually, even in the worship time when we were singing, as Andy kind of, you know, pulled the contributions together, there's challenges amongst the grace. Well, there's grace and there's healing and there's forgiveness and you've got to step out and take it and you've got to repent. And actually, if, if you don't know Jesus this morning, then I just want to implore you, there's lots of times in the Bible where we see miraculous things happening and then the writer, the speaker says, you've seen this, repent and turn towards him. Repent and give your lives to him because he's the one that can heal you and he's the only one that can save you. So if you need to turn to God for salvation today, do. Please do.